Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, y'all. This is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. What's up, everyone? You're listening to a special episode of Half Street High Heat, and it's special because, according to the podcast, Sam Dykstra is joining us again. Make sure you guys give him a follow on Twitter at Sam Dykstra, M-I-L-B, and make sure you guys follow MLB Pipeline as well to keep up with all things prospects. (laughs) Sam, how you doing, man? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Ryan. It's great to talk to you guys again. Yeah, I mean... It was a little bleak talking about the farm system last year. So, I mean, big, big year. Juan Soto traded. This entire farm system kind of gets rejuvenated a little bit. And I want to start talking off with my personal favorite prospect in the return, and that's James Wood. So, James Wood, future number one prospect in, in MLB? Oh, that's a that's a fascinating question. Um, it's possible. It's certainly possible. I mean, you look at who he is. I remember talking to people at Padres camp because I also do our Padres list and uh, last year and they were just like, you got to see James Wood. He is faster than you think. Um, He's a monster at six foot seven. He's got really good power, all of that you expect, but he plays a really good center field too. And I'm like, all right, well, we'll see. And then all of a sudden he was hitting really well too. And and the swing decisions he was making were, were really stellar. I mean, we ranked him at number 17. I think anybody in the top 20 could be a number one overall prospect at, at some point. So yes, it's, it's certainly possible that that could happen. I want to see how the bat's going to play over a larger sample. He's only played it single A so far, but it's really incredible how all the pieces are there for him to be a really special player. And even if he slows down and has to move to right, guess what? He's still really good there. Like he he has the arm for it. The power is going to play in a corner spot. Um, so I, I, I won't guarantee that he's going to be the number one overall prospect next year because a lot of people have a lot of people on that list like, Jackson Holiday, Jackson Churio, um, Drew Jones of the D-backs. There are a lot of candidates, but he could very well be in the conversation even by midseason if he's hitting like he did last year at high A and moves up to double A, as I think is certainly possible this year. So what I'm hearing you say is that he's Barry Bonds. <laughs> no, if that... The shoe fits. Before, like I, I'm not huge on player comps, and <laughs> this is why because it gets away from you real quick. Um, I no, I don't think he's going to be Barry Bonds necessarily. He's also bigger, uh, taller than Barry Bonds, but uh, it's 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 exciting. I mean, you look at who they got at the time, and you thought like, oh, C.J. Abrams might be the best prospect here, or I think we had Robert Hassel the third ranked mm-hmm. higher than Wood at the time. But the way Wood has surged, and the way the industry is recognizing that, is is really been special. Yeah, that's kind of been the interesting part in the, what, six months or so since the the Juan Soto trade happened is like you didn't really know who the headliner was going to be 
and you're probably you probably won't know until you know two three four years down the line when these guys start making their their debuts and whatnot but it is kind of a, a good or interesting question to to think about right now is who is the headliner in this deal but looking at the nats farm as a whole like what what's your thoughts on the nats um you know not ability but how they've done rebuilding their farm system so far because they were 26 down for so many years um and now they're most recently ranked 11th in the uh, uh by keith law today so what's your thoughts on the nats farm as, as a whole well, yeah, I mean, it's certainly improved. There's there's no way you can trade Juan Soto and not improve. Um, but is it like where it needs to be at this part of a rebuild? I don't know if it's quite there yet. And a lot of that, like you were saying, is for the years before this, they didn't have great draft picks. And that's not just because of selection, but that's just draft spot. I mean, when you're winning a World Series and when you're competing in the NL East, you're not going to get a top 15 pick and that's not going to be able to replenish the system. So... Oh, trading Max Scherzer and Trey Turner a few years ago was the start of it, and tra- uh, trading Juan Soto last year certainly kicked it into gear. And then getting Elijah Green, you know, as a top five pick is certainly a big help as well. Uh, with the way the system looks right now, there's a lot of upside here with guys like Green, with guys like Wood, even Cade Cavalli. I think has pretty good upside if he can just find his command. And I know we're down on Brady House right now, but a lot of that might have been the back injury. If he's healthy this year and a little bit more communicative about what's going on with him injury-wise, he could easily surge back into the top 100. It's just if when you look at the system as a whole, there are more question marks here than you would like for a system that's trying to rebuild. I think James Wood is easily number one with a bullet. Uh, but guys like Hassel, guys like Green, guys like House, Cavalli, uh, even Vaccaro and Susana, those guys all have question marks, and that makes it a little bit more difficult to say, this is definitely where you want to be uh, to start a rebuild. Yeah, I I strongly, strongly agree with you. I think this farm still has a lot of work to be done, and they've missed on a lot of draft picks and a lot of international signings the last couple of years. And a lot of that was because they just had no analytics or technology really used in their minor systems. They've made progress in that. How long do you think it would be for us to actually see that beefing of analytics take a change in minor league? In terms of the, the NAT system or the minor leagues as a whole? The NATS, the NAT system. Oh, um, well, I think it's it's already taking root in some of the conversations that I'm having with NATS officials and trying to get background on a lot of these guys. Some of the things that they are quoting in terms of you know, what guys are swinging out of the zone or how they're controlling their swing decisions. It's not just a scouting-based look. And that comes from Mike Rizzo, right? Mike Rizzo has a background in scouting. It's an old-school background in scouting, which I think still serves a purpose, don't get me wrong. Um, But the way they're starting to talk about, hey, this guy's spin rate is a certain way or the vertical break on his pitch is is a certain way, that's starting to come out a little bit more. Now, how is that going to change? Like, Elijah Green, we know – He's bad at swinging at high pitches. That's great to know. How do you fix it? What's the next thing? You need to invest in coaches. Now, they just came out with their player development staff for the year. It seems like they are really investing in getting the right coaches at each level and more of them. Um, But it's going to be a few years until we can definitely say, like, oh, this guy improved remarkably because of the tools that he had once the Nats flipped that switch. Yeah, uh, that's kind of our expectations too like it, good change obviously but it might be a little bit before we see the fruits of their labor and whatnot and 
being already being in the midst of a rebuild like that's not exactly what you want to hear but it's better to have change than proceed on like we were for the past couple of years uh, i wanted to shift back to just the farm as a whole is there one guy i guess not james wood because you said he's number one with bullet but is there one guy whose ceiling is just like super tantalizing that nats fans are just you know prospect analysts in general aren't talking enough about well i i, I my answer is going to be Elijah Green, and everybody's talking about him. So I, I get that. I don't want to say, like, no, nobody's look, looking into this number right, five overall right. pick from last year. Um, totally understand that. But I remember having conversations about him, you know, going into the 2022 draft the, the previous year, that summer. And there was one person I talked to who was like, he's somebody who you kind of throw a major league season for. Like you want to make sure you can get Elijah Green. Now other guys move past him, Drew Jones, Jackson Holiday, what have you. Um, and some of the swing and miss issues are definitely concerns. I get that. But it's just so rare that you get a guy with plus power and plus plus speed. He's faster than James Wood is. Um, he has a better arm than he does. I don't know if he's more likely to stick in center field, but he's definitely a candidate to do so. If they can work with him on just improving his pitch selection, and that comes from high school guys, right? Like you come from the high school ranks, you can hit everything. It, it's not a big deal for you to swing at every pitch because you're probably making contact and sending it a long way. Now you're going up against more crafty guys. That's just going to, he's just going to need experience. He's going to get that this year. He got a little bit of it last year in the Florida complex league, but if it comes together, man, he can just go supernova. He can go as high as you want in terms of ceiling. He has one of the highest ceilings of any of our top 50 prospects, I think. Yeah. It's kind of a, uh... I don't know if like intimidating is the right word because he's 18, but like intimidating <laughs> to, to see what he can do at 18 years old. Uh, just the, the pure raw power he has is just insane. So uh, I definitely like that pick on the flip side though. Is there a top prospect that uh, all prospects inherently carry risk? There's no such thing as a sure thing, especially in baseball, but uh, is there one prospect that, you know, is very, risky so to speak and the Nats will really need to work on uh, more consistency with that prospect yeah uh, I'll go with Jackson Rutledge here um, just because it, it's kind of the rubbers meeting the road a little bit on Jackson Rutledge we've heard about him for years again another first round pick uh, and the stuff has always been really good I remember the 2021 Arizona Fall League in which he was coming off you know some injury concerns and he needed to make up innings and the stuff was really really good there but then he goes last year, you know, his age 23 season, and he spends it entirely at Fredericksburg. And it's 97 and third innings. That's more than he's ever thrown. That's good that he can do that. But it was a 4-9 ERA at Fredericksburg. With some strikeouts, walks were relatively low. I just thought they were going to challenge him, and they never really did. And now it's gotten to a point he is on the 40-man. You know, he's going to have to move quickly. He can't just be taking up a spot while he tries to develop. He's going to be 24 come minor league opening day. Uh, we need to see he's more than just stuff. We need to st start seeing results. And he's a difficult one to rank because I think he could be a major league starter. He's just had so many injury concerns that it, it's not going to be there. Um, so I'm I'm really interested to see what happens with him this year. I could see him making his major league debut because if all the pieces are there and he's healthy, they just keep pushing him and he already has a roster spot. I could also see him plummeting to like the 2025 range by our midseason update because he doesn't stay healthy or he doesn't find results at high A. And he's definitely a reliever now. It, it, there's just a wide swath of outcomes for Jackson Rutledge. The Nats farm system is kind of interesting because I feel all of their top hitters have the same swing and miss issues. And then a lot of their pitchers also have 
lot of issues with them as well. But looking at the farm as a whole, is there a prospect that you are the most excited about that you haven't seen others talking about? Um, I mean, I, I'm really interested to see what happens with Christian Vaccaro this year. He's definitely coming stateside. Um, he was their top international signing last year. Pretty solid season in the DSL last year. Um, had hit 256, had a 720 OPS. The, the reports of him when he signed were that he has really good power. He has above average speed as well. Plays a pretty good center field with a good arm. Um, some of the pieces were there. He's a switch hitter. It just feels like Okay, again, you got your feet wet. You got to understand what being a pro ball player is like. Now a challenge is going to come. Now you're going to come stateside in a country that you haven't been in for a very long time. What is that adjustment going to be like? Are the tools going to play in the same way? Is he more, you know, can he flip that switch from potential to performance? Again, last year was pretty solid. He, he was good. He's definitely a top six or seven guy in the system right now. Um, but, it, you know, I, I'm just interested to see. He's another one of those high ceiling types like Green, like Wood, uh, like even House, who could really go somewhere. But if he doesn't perform, then we have another question mark. And and these are the types of guys you really need to hit on again if you're in a rebuild. Yeah, the Nationals certainly have a type <laughs> right now. <laughs> well, I, I will say this, though. You mentioned like there seem to be guys who have swing and miss issues. That's not really Robert Hassel III. He's kind of the inverse. He's all hit tool, no power. Um I shouldn't say no power. There are certain people who think he can be a 15 home run here in the major leagues, and I do think he can get there. But that was kind of an interesting acquisition because if they do have a type, he doesn't necessarily fill it. And I wonder if that's just kind of like, oh, we can plug him into place and have a guy who we know can probably hit 280, 290 in the bigs and has the other questions. But at least we have that one guy in the system that can be a plus hitter. You mentioned Robert Hassel. I've seen some stuff about people suggesting he plays first base with the crowded outfield the Nats have, do you think one of those prospects could move the first or would they just keep all of them in the outfield and just hope one or two of them reaches their potential? Yeah. I mean, you look at what the rate is of guys actually making to the major leagues and the amount of systems I've seen over the years where like, we have five outfielders. How is this all going to work? We'll see. And then it ends up, you actually have like one and a half outfielders. Like that's just the, the nature of prospectum. Right. So I hassle is too athletic. I know there's some questions like he's a tweener. He plays pretty good center field, but maybe he moves to the left or something like that. Or even right. He has the arm for right, too. Um, but I, I, he's not really a first base type. He's skinnier than that. He, he would be athletic enough for it. And that's where you would move him if you have to move him somewhere. But I just think, you know, Elijah Green is like three years away before we have to have this conversation. Vaquero's three or four, four years away from us having this conversation. And again, James Wood is only seen single a ball i think this is going to work itself out one way or another I, I wouldn't worry about hassle having to play first base or any of these guys having to play first base until like 2025 at the earliest yeah i think that's smart especially with this team's player development track record feel like not limiting your pool is probably the smartest for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So asked you about the prospect you love that isn't getting a lot of attention. Is there a prospect who's getting a, a lot of attention in this farm system that you are not as high? Well, and I don't want to make it out like I'm knocking this guy. I just want to see him more. I think Jarlene Susana got a lot of attention because he throws hard. You know, you get anybody who's throwing triple digits and it's just like, man, they just don't teach that at 18 years old. That's not a thing most 18 year olds can do. And it's really special. What, what are the breaking pitches going to be? He has a slider that can be above average. But is he going to be more than just Velo? That's going to be the tipping point on him. I, I've seen some places say like, oh, he could be a top 100 prospect. And I get that. But teenage pitchers who throw hard, there's always seems to be an injury coming. I'm not saying that's going to be the case with Susana at all. But I'm a, just a little bit more hesitant to say this guy's an automatically a top 100 prospect because he throws so hard at such a young age. So he could very well push his way into that conversation if the velo holds into June or July. You know, he got a little bit of A-ball experience last year, probably returning to that level uh, for 2023. He only got 45 innings. So we're talking about the stuff holding up over 70, 80 innings. He's probably a top 100 guy. I just think there's the, the level of attrition on teenage pitching prospects is so high that I'm hesitant to really stuff him just yet. Yeah, yet yet another one of those like super high upside, but where is the floor type players that the Nationals seem to have an abundance of at the moment. Um, speaking of one of those guys, uh, and this guy definitely isn't being talked about. He used to be, um, but has really flown under the radar that he's even a National right now, and that's Jeter Downs. Uh, do you have any thoughts or opinions on the enigma that is Jeter Downs and kind of where he projects for the future or is he just a reclamation project at this point he is definitely a reclamation project um he's kind of the move and the the nats have done a lot of this i feel like this offseason of just like hey here's a former guy who used to be a top 100 prospect let's just get him and see what happens uh you almost put like dom smith in that bucket but dom smith at least has some major league experience and some major league success. Jeter Downs doesn't have that. Jeter Downs doesn't even have that at AAA. I mean, you can make the case that he was one of the worst AAA performers over the last two years. I mean, he didn't hit above the Mendoza line in 2021 or 2022. There are just some real signs that he's not going to get to the power that he showed when he was in, in the Dodger system uh, before that. I, it's an interesting move. If it works out, you get kind of like a utility infielder. You can play short. You can play second base. Uh, if they find some hole in his swing that can maybe work things out, that would, that would be good because he has pretty quick hands. I mean, he, in the past, he has controlled the strike zone pretty well. It's just not there. It hasn't been there at the minors' top level. He's gotten ample experience now. He should have adjusted to the league by this point, and it just hasn't happened. We're probably moving him off the top 30 uh, when we come out with it in a couple of weeks, but um, it's, it's worth a shot. I mean, it, all you're doing right now for the Nats, you don't have a super loaded 40 man roster, you know, shake the dice on, on somebody or roll the dice on somebody who used to be one of the best talents in the, in the minor leagues and see if you can get something out of them. Cause there's a chance 
the old Jeter Downs is still in there, but it's it's a much, much smaller chance than it ever was when he was originally moving to the Red Sox. Yeah, crazy to think that he was like obviously with the benefit of hindsight, but he was like the prize prospect in return for Mookie Betts, like just crazy craziness. But that's you know the the game you play with prospects. Um, so you're in the Nationals front office. You know the, the MLB drafts coming up in in a few months. You're sitting there at number two. Obviously, the Pirates are ahead of you. You know they're gonna somewhat determine who you take. But if you get your pick, the litter. Are you going Dylan Cruz or Chase Dollander? Oh, I, it's whoever the Pirates don't take. Honestly, I mean that's it. That's it for me. <laughs> I, that's the very very simple answer. Um, but it's incredible how those two have really separated themselves. And we have a spring to go. I mean, there like there was a time in 2021 when Brady House looked like one of the best high school shortstops, and then kind of tailed off a little bit. There's a chance Dylan Cruz or, or Chase Dollander you know, go through the SEC this year and a little bit of shine comes off. But the way people are talking about Dollander, and he's number two, Cruz is number one in our draft rankings, which are done by Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. Uh, but the way people are talking about Dollander is like he's one of the best college pitching prospects we've had in years. You might have to go back to Strasburg for like the last guy who had the ceiling that Dollander has. And yet somehow Dylan Cruz is a better prospect because he's a true five-tool talent. He's only 20 years old. He's turning 21 later this month. Um, has been really special at LSU the first two years. I don't think you worry, like we were talking about this before, the Nats may have too many outfielders. And like, what if Dylan Cruz is there at number two? Don't don't think twice about it. Like if he's there, you take him and everything's going to sort itself out. It's plus hit, it's plus power, it's above average speed, good arm. I, I would, I always lean, and nobody's ever asked me this, like from a draft room, like who would you take, Sam? And we're going to use that as part of our prep. But um, I would always lean towards the position player if it's close. And I think that's reflected in our rankings just because pitchers can be, you know, can break down easier. Things can, weird things can happen. I mean, look at Jack Leiter, who he was at Vanderbilt and who he is now in the Texas Rangers system. Crazy things can happen with pitchers. We see that less with hitters. So I'll take the everyday guy and Dylan Cruz if it comes down to those two. But the Nats at two, I think they're in a great spot. I kind of love being in that spot where like, the Pirates have the tough decision to make. Mm-hmm. You have to pick between the two of them. I get the other guy, and I'll be super happy about it. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Um, we actually wrote an article about that a couple weeks ago. Like at, when the the lottery was announced, it's like, yeah, it, you know, especially in the Nats position where it seems like they've always been guessing wrong and certainly haven't been hitting on the draft picks, uh, you know, throughout the 2010s and whatnot. It's like, all right, well, <laughs> at least the decision sort of being made for us. As long as we get one of those two guys which we should, then, you know, we can't really go wrong, but I'm a huge Chase Dollander fan. I think Ryan is too. So um, I wouldn't be, certainly wouldn't be upset with uh, Dylan Cruz either, but uh, I am I, celebrating I'm, either of those two. Comments. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, as absolutely. As you should. But I do think in this case, I do lean pitching, but also because like you just said, the nationals do have a plethora of outfield talent and not that that should dissuade them from getting a guy like Cruz, but if you do find yourself in a situation where the pirates for some reason go under slot and both Cruz and Dolander are available at two, I think you, you bolster up your, your pitching um, depth in the, in the farm, but maybe that's just me. Um, But interesting to see, obviously the nationals will have to make that decision for themselves. All right. The last question I have for you, we always like to end on a light note uh, on a fun one. Um, Who's your player comp for James Wood? Oh, 
I'm just going to go on my rant now, and I'm saying this to slightly vamp. I totally understand that uh, <laughs> as I try to think of this, and I should have seen this coming. Here's why I don't like comps, because you automatically try to put somebody into a major league situation, and they're all different, right? Like Juan Soto, I don't think we could have ever put a comp on him right. coming up. Like nobody could have said like, hey, this guy is going to be really, really selective, and he's going to hit for a ton of power, and he's going to – like there just isn't – a comp for Juan Soto, even in history, like for a while there, people were going to Ted Williams and that's not entirely fair, but like, that's as close as you get. So James Wood, I don't, I don't know. Like somebody who kind of comes to mind is a little bit of Kyle, not Barry Bonds. No, we're not (laughs) going to go with Barry Bonds. Is a little bit Kyle Tucker, maybe. Okay. Because Kyle Tucker coming up through the Myers in the Houston Astros system, had power and speed. He was a 30-30 guy or potentially 30-30 guy. And it took a little bit of time for him to come through with that. Um, but he's now one of the, like, a great power speed guy for the Astros. He plays a corner, could play center field. I think James Wood is going to probably move to right. He's a bigger person than Kyle Tucker, but they, he has a similar power speed profile. And, you know, Kyle Tucker is now – a world series champ like he's firmly entrenched in one of the best teams in, in the league um and i that that's the goal i don't think they're going to be exactly similar players but i think that's the goal i like that that's a good comp Cultures. they're not so bad they're not so bad they're, they're kind of bad though because then like i, I don't know I, I think james wood has a better chance of being in center field than kyle kyle tucker did and he's just a bigger athlete than kyle tucker is by like three inches Kyle Tucker doesn't strike out as much as I think James Wood eventually will. You start hedging a bunch, but <laughs> I, I'll, I'm going to stick with it because that, that's what came to mind. Comps are so funny because you like read an article and it'll be like, they can be 2007 Bobby Abreu or then just another random player. And it's like, what, what does any of this mean? So I, yeah, <laughs> I like hearing comps. It just, I, I get it. Like fans love it because then it sets expectations. Like I, I do when we do our scouting reports, we assign grades to these guys. And I say, Oh, he's a plus hitter with above average power, below average speed, whatever. And like, that's how I want to set expectations. That's what I want you to envision. You're like, yeah, yeah. But who is that most like? And it's, but then it's, you have to start fiddling with a lot of stuff that just doesn't work. Um, well, if it makes you feel any better after the past couple of years as Nats fans, we have like zero expectations. So <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to worry about any of that. <laughs> All you want is the best version of James Wood that you can get, which exactly. is a very, very talented baseball player who can play up the middle and is going to wow you with what he can do. Absolutely. That sounds perfect. Give me that. Honestly, I'll take I'll take a prospect that can get one more. Like I don't, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been such a dark like five years, man. <laughs> Well, you know, listen, like one thing I think that's interesting about this farm system right now is like if Kate Cavalli is healthy and the fastball command was trending in the right direction last year, at least you could see a fruit of the farm system labor coming out of the spring. Like he could win a rotation spot um, and be maybe a two, three win pitcher for a full season this year. Now, that's a lot of ifs with him being healthy and, and the fastball command coming back. But at least you could see something soon. And I think that's a reason for hope. I'll take it. <laughs> well, Sam, uh, it's always a pleasure. Can pick your brain and talk prospects all day long, especially since the professional team here isn't very good. And the farm system's the only thing we have at any type of hope. 
Uh, once again, make sure you guys give Sam a follow on Twitter at Sam Dykstra, M-I-L-B, and head on over to MLB Pipeline to keep up with all of his work and all things prospects. Sam, thank you so much for coming on again, man. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was fun. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the calls has passed the wall to see you later. By the early light of dawn, well, you can see they're running scared. Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air. Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look. Cause we're putting curly W's in every book. Let's go, Nats. We've got a game to play. We're gonna win today. Let's go. How to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.